welcome to Inspired Island, where every episode we sit down with someone living an inspired life here on Vashon Island in Puget Sound. From world-class artists and musicians to chefs and business owners, our little rural island has it all. I'm your host, Grace McRae, a new full-time Vashon Island resident, and thank you for joining me on this journey to discover why Vashon is such an inspired island. And welcome back to Inspired Island, everyone. Really glad to have you here with us today. We're in for double the fun as I am interviewing not one, but two interesting islanders, Don Stewart and Charlotte Stewart. Welcome to Inspired Island. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I came to learn about this couple when I recently read the book, No Farms, No Food, Uniting Farmers and Environmentalists to Transform American Agriculture, written by Don and published by Island Press in 2022. The book follows the history of agricultural conservation in the U.S. and the development of American Farmland Trust, an organization that promotes interests of both farmers and healthy ecosystems and is a major player in the world of agricultural conservation. And we'll get more into that book later on today. But the author, Don here, describes himself as an advocate for the economic, environmental, and political sustainability of working, natural, resource lands and fisheries. Notably, Don served as the director for American Farmland Trust's Pacific Northwest Regional Office. Don is also a retired Washington attorney and a couple curveballs, according to my research. Don has had a couple stints as a commercial salmon fisherman in Alaska, and he has an impressive writing portfolio, including No Farms, No Food, of course. But Don also dabbles in mystery novels and other novels, which brings me to his wife, Charlotte, who I learned is also an author. Charlotte has written several successful award-winning murder mysteries, most of the humorous variety, and she recently won first place in the highly respected Chanticleer Book Awards for her Discount Detective series. One of her books, I should know, is set here on Vashon Island. Behind her writing is some deep experience in academia and communications. Charlotte earned her PhD by studying how values influence behaviors. And if I'm not mistaken, she's also done some salmon fishing in the past. Correct. Uh, So there must be some stories there that I'm excited to hear more about. Last but not least, Charlotte and Don have also joined forces to co-author a military legal thriller, which will be coming out later this year, called Midnight for Justice. It's a treat to have you both here today, Don and Charlotte. And since y'all are the first husband-wife writing team that we've had on Inspired Island, I'd love to start out with some questions about writing. So when did each of you catch the writing bug? Well, I will just say I caught the writing bug a long time before I actually published anything. Okay. (laughs) So um, we took a year off and sailed around Well, we didn't sail around Vancouver Island. We thought we were going to sail further away. We went around Vancouver Island and then spent a year in the San Juans. And what we'd do is we'd write in the morning and walk in the afternoon. And um, after that, we thought we'd get published and didn't for many, many years. Uh, But the bug stayed with us. Okay. Can I speak for you on that? Yes, you can. (laughs) (laughs) And were you writing on paper or computers? We actually had some computers on our boat, and wow, they're vintage now if we still had them. Yeah, they were K-Pro. Remember, they were K-Pro portable computers, and they'd be quite relics at this point. And growing up as kids, were you both into reading and writing? Absolutely. Reading was always early, and I loved it, and I think maybe more almost so for you. Yeah. 
I have the, um, well, I, but I don't know exactly how to describe it, but I managed to get kicked out of the library as a youngster <laughs> because it was one of those Carnegie uh, buildings where the kids' books were downstairs and there was this little back stairway to the adult section upstairs. And because I read so much... I got bored downstairs, and so I would sneak up. And I have to tell you, I only snuck up there and read things like Jack London books. I mean, it you know, <laughs> really wasn't that big a deal, but um, I got caught. Mm. I wasn't sneaky enough. And so after I was caught, I was banned, and my mother <laughs> had to come with me for about a year, I think, and check out books. <laughs> you needed a chaperone, yes. yes. I love that story. <laughs> and where did the two of you meet? We were uh, both debaters in college, in high school and college. So we met uh, in a debate class in the University of Washington. In Mm. fact, our our debate partners, uh, uh, of course, there was women's and men's divisions in debate. So Charlotte's debate partner and my debate partner are also married, uh, married shortly before we got married. So Mm -hmm. we've been good friends all those years since. No way. Mm -hmm. And you're both Huskies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you met both in the Seattle area. Did you both grow up in the Pacific Northwest? Yes. Yeah. Charlotte's a Puyallup girl. Oh, and yeah. I was sort of Bainbridge Island, Seattle, mm. Bainbridge Island. Okay. Excellent. And how did you first get to Vashon Island, or when was the decision to move here? We were looking for waterfront. And so we found a, a wonderful cabin um, down in Colvos Passage in Paradise Cove. And just loved it. And only recently, a year, little over a year ago, moved up into the woods. So okay. we left the herons behind for comfort and a better office space. Mm, <laughs> nice, nice. Right. Peekaboo view. And when did you first move to Vashon? First, at the beginning of 2016. We bought okay. actually in 2012 and okay. then remodeled for about four years. I was over here yeah. for four years. I was over here almost every day working on yep. the remodel. It was a 1948 cabin. Wow. And um, it had not been remodeled, period. Mm. Yeah, it was pretty original. (laughs) The people that we bought it from had lived there for 50 years. Yeah, 50 years, raised a family there. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. Yeah. Excellent. And before that, were you in Seattle? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so was the ocean and more space and nature what was calling you to Vashon? Yeah, and, you know, just what you'd imagine, slower lifestyle, retired Mm. and wanted to be out of the city. Nice. And what is it like to be married to a fellow writer? I think it's really nice because I have someone to talk about ideas and he's really good with plots and it keeps us moving on our walks because (laughs) we talk about what we're writing. I think it's great. I mean, a lot of people say, how do you manage to write and have an office in the same room because we're in the same room Mm. now. In Seattle, we had separate offices. In fact, we've always had separate offices. But now we're in the same room and we're just separated by some file folders. And I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. The memory I have that I am very fond of is when we were writing, uh, we started this book that you mentioned, uh, Midnight for Justice, the Mm -hmm. military legal thriller. We started that like 40 years ago mm. <laughs> when we were on that little vacation mm-hmm. with the with the sailboat and we spent one winter um on was it Lopez Island mm-hmm. uh where every day we took a walk down the beach and uh, talked about the book and the book has 
a female protagonist and a male protagonist, and she's sort of a 1960s liberal, and he's sort of a somewhat conservative military type. And so they have to they have to get to know and like each other, which is kind of a part of the book. But we're walking down the beach, that talking out plot, and it was every day we would have to go down the beach, have this very extended conversation about, well, how about she says this and he does that, and what happens if they do this and the other thing, and mm-hmm. was all... Just great fun, actually. In the writing process of doing something together, do you have different roles? Is one really creative and one more technical? Or are you a partnership in every single aspect of the book writing process? We're a little different. Yeah, I think we're a little different. He really is more plot-focused. And I have lots of plot flaws when I get through my first draft. And I give it to him and say, okay, find my plot flaws. (laughs) And... uh, I would have to say that I work a lot on his dialogue. I'm more into narrative and I have to be I have to be encouraged a little bit more to include dialogue which is absolutely essential or nothing it doesn't feel like it moves at all. So yeah. I uh, she always adds life. So Don, obviously I chatted a little bit about how I came across you and and your work, but how did you first get into the world of farms, fisheries and environmental policy? Well, fisheries is easy because my parents, my dad built a commercial fishing boat when I was just getting out of high school. So I I basically worked my way through college boat pulling Mm. (laughs) on his fishing boat, on their fishing boat, went to Alaska and and fished with them. And then I was going to be a lawyer and practiced law and got a law degree and kind of didn't like it. (laughs) Mm. And uh, so we built a fishing boat shortly after this little trip we talked about. We uh, built a commercial fishing boat and went fishing in Alaska. So that's, and then I came back after 10 years of doing that, I came back and went to work for the fishing industry uh, for a nonprofit that represented commercial salmon fisheries Mm. uh, here in Washington. And then that ultimately led to uh, taking a job with the Washington Association of Conservation Districts, which was my first introduction to agriculture and the politics of agriculture and whatnot. So that then led to American Farmland Trust. So it was sort of that order of things. Okay. It sounds like you came to the work primarily or at least first through the lens of commercial fishing. So that it's interesting because, you know, I come to the issue. The reason why I picked up your book is I'm very concerned about climate change. Mm-hmm. And obviously through living here on Vashon, I've gotten a lot more of a, you know, respect and reverence for small farms. And so I really wanted to learn more about how those worlds kind of interconnect. And well, We definitely yeah. had environmental issues in the uh, fishing industry as well. Okay. And what was interesting is they seem like very different and you'd also think they were somewhat in conflict. Uh, and, and I guess at times they are, but for the most part, what was similar was in the fishing industry, there was this ongoing battle with recreational versus commercial fisheries mm. and, and healing that and bringing those two groups together, you know, around common cause was really important. And then in agriculture, that exact same thing exists between farmers and environmentalists. They have so many common interests and in, in so many ways share goals and needs and aspirations. But it isn't intuitive and natural. That's where American Farmland Trust comes in. Yeah, which is a very unique organization. Could you tell the listeners just 
the 60 second spiel on what American Farmland Trust is? Yeah, pretty unique organization formed in 1980 uh, at the time that the great environmental revolution was taking place in this country in the 70s was when all of our huge suite of federal legislation came into being. Mm. And the uh, was early in the 70s that the Earth Day happened and all of that stuff was happening. And at the same time, agriculture occupies and operates half the land in this country, literally half the land base is in some form of agriculture. So you had all these environmental laws coming down the pike and farmers looking at them and thinking, oh my God, because agriculture, of course, is incredibly competitive. Mm. Probably maybe the most globally competitive industry there is. So that was the stress farmers were facing. And uh, and AFT was this kind of astounding organization, really unusual in that it was it welded those two perspectives together mm. and it it AFT's success really depends depends now and depended then on being able to get farmers and environmentalists to work together and they did it and mm. it was miraculous and it had miraculous political impact as well which is all a part of the sort of i think amazing story of American Farmland Trust yeah and here in the Pacific Northwest through AFT are there any unique dynamics happening in this region or was it pretty much similar to what you were seeing on a national level um, in terms of some of the tensions? It, it's amazingly both, but okay. it, it's, it, it's amazing how unique and individual each region is. We have a salmon issue, for example, oh, that nobody else has. And it changes a lot of things about how you respond in environmental issues. For example, in the east, uh, why would you need a 150-foot buffer? for salmon protection when all you really need is a grass strip, right, <laughs> to keep pollution from running in the river. So we have very different issues. But on the, on the other hand, the underlying issue is identical, really. Mm. And it mm. is, it is uh, to, to, to identify those ways, and there are so many, you'd be just amazed, where farmers and environmentalists really need to and both benefit from working collaboratively. Now, of course, it's down to climate. And it's really absolutely the same thing applies. Farmers are so much better off working collectively to address the climate issue because there's so much they can do about it. Mm. Uh, mm. And and the public needs to pay for it, but the public isn't going to want to pay for it if there's not the politics to support it happening. So that yeah. it's one of those situations where you really need collaboration. Definitely. I'm definitely become way more interested in this intersection that seems, you know, there seems to be so much in common yet because of the political dynamics of this country. It's just environmentalists and farmers are just too often, it seems like at odds. So it's really amazing to see what AFT has been able to do. It's really one in a million. So Don, your writing though has veered off into many different areas. Does your process vary based on what you're writing about? Like with No Farms, No Food, I was just in awe of the research that went into it. And it just looks like it must have taken years to to put this book together. Actually, it didn't. Really? <laughs> I, I, I wrote that uh, considerably more quickly. I was actually asked by John Piotti, AFT's uh, huh. president, to to do this. And he had a kind of a short timeline, which got extended because of COVID, but we were really working on, it was less than a year to get a first draft out, wow. uh, probably eight months or something. I remember I went to an AFT board meeting 
back east in the Chesapeake somewhere and in the hotel and I I was interviewing. I was there because some of the original AFT founders were there. They were being honored at this event. And so I was able to meet and interview them at mm. one place at one time. Uh, and so I, I interviewed these founders and then I was, it just was all kind of swirling around my head. And I remember going out and you know how hotels are, you're, you've got these little corners with a few couches sitting there. And I, I sat down with a pad of paper and I started writing and I missed a whole, not, I missed one of the, the board meetings that I probably should have attended just because I was sitting there scribbling out because I'd, I'd come up with the theme. I had it. I had it in my head, you know, and that was it. That was the theme. I'd say that ha- that's my process, probably. Mm. Process is knowing at least where it goes. And then the outline and the rest of it follows. I'm a little bit more uh, sloppy, <laughs> sporadic than my wife is. Uh, she's very organized. It gets it outlined in advance, knows exactly where it's going, and I'm a little more inclined to piece it together as it happens. <laughs> they which... call them pantsers, you know, <laughs> people that write by the seat of their pants. pants yeah. Mm-hmm. I would not have guessed that coming into the interview today. That's, <laughs> that's really interesting. Well, Charlotte, while we're chatting about you, could you tell us a little bit about your career path? I don't know that I had a career path, <laughs> exactly. I started out in academia because I thought I wanted to teach. And when I realized I didn't really want to teach, that was about the time we went uh, commercial fishing. And I also knew I didn't want to spend my life commercial fishing because I get seasick. Uh, we won't go there. But I was lucky enough to get a job uh, with a consulting group. And I realized that I really liked putting things together and coming up with strategies and figuring things out. And that actually is something that I think is, and I love research. So it all kind of led me eventually to writing. Um, But I had, what, 10 years in there working for BECU, put in a plug for them. Mm -hmm. But I I wish I'd started writing a a long time ago. That's unfortunate. I wish I would have gotten serious about it and learned about how to get published, because that's a, you know, a whole process in and of itself. When was your first book published? Uh, 2019. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you've done a lot since oh, then. Oh, yeah. I, well, I actually I had written a few books, and I pulled them out of the suitcase and rewrote them. And so that was one of the reasons I've been able to publish so many so quickly, which was very nice. And... Could you tell us a little bit about your writing process with mysteries? I'm guessing there's so many puzzle pieces. Do you have a full fleshed out outline before you get started? I'm afraid I have to outline. You know, when I was teaching presentation skills, I was always telling people they ought to outline. And it was because I didn't know that for a lot of people, that isn't how their mind works. I Mm. thought that was the way to do it because that's how I do it. But anyway, I have, to, I have to know where I'm going, and I do the full outline. That said, uh, the killer sometimes changes. It sometimes <laughs> ends up to be somebody entirely different. Uh, you know, you can start down one path and end up going someplace else, or we can be out talking about what the plot is supposed to look like, and Don will say, well, how about this? And I think, oh, okay. So... But I just need to feel like I know where I'm going, even though realistically, I never know until at least the first draft is complete. Wow. And the fact that there's a back and forth between the two of you with Mm -hmm. all of your writing, it sounds like, it it reminds me of where your story starts in, you know, 
the debate world. So it seems mm-hmm. like your debating has just never ended, he, really. He still wins arguments, though. <laughs> That's, yeah. Now, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really awesome. Charlotte, you're known for your humorous mysteries. What about that genre attracts you? Is that what you like to read yourself? I do like all sorts of different mysteries. I didn't start out to write humorous mysteries, mm-hmm. but... I somehow can't control myself. <laughs> you know, I have a hard time taking things too seriously. Mm. And it, it, because mine are character-driven, I like to have a little humor in the dialogue and a little back and forth between the characters. Um, but I do, our, um, the book that we wrote together, The Midnight for Justice, is not humorous. Okay. Um, and I do have a book coming out in September that is definitely not humorous, and it's mm. a male protagonist. Um, and so I am branching out a bit, but it is a relief sometimes to sit down and feel like you can just let it all out. Um, on the other hand, sometimes there's pressure, you know, you watch the news and you don't feel funny and then you sit down there and you say, okay, it's time to make a laugh, you know, and and it's can be very hard. I empathize with comedians. I I don't know how they do it. She has material to go on. Oh, <laughs> frequently her male protagonists will have some characteristic that I, I recognize. Really, really. So he's just upset because I have one male character that just came out who is I refer to it as everybody's inner klutz. Okay, and he is klutzy, but I really think that he comes across okay. I mean, I don't think, and he isn't you, Don. <laughs> Fortunately, not all of him. No. No. <laughs> yeah, I do have a friend who asked me the other day, is this character in the Vashon book me? And I had to admit, oh. uh, she's the same height. She's very <laughs> athletic. She's a little sarcastic. Hmm, there are some characteristics, but no, it is not you. But it's really hard because you do find that people that you know or what you draw on mm. the characters because it's your experiences yeah. that's that's very interesting and could you tell us a little bit about the premise of bogged down which is now on my summer reading list oh let's see well i went on the bog tour several years ago and they have a story that they tell on the bog tour about somebody slipping off this one log and falling into the pond And I was standing there in the log and looking into the pond and thought, what a great place for a murder. (laughs) So that was how it started. And then I had to figure out, okay, where did I want to set some of the plot? And what did I want the main character to be like? And so it kind of evolved from that. And I wanted the conflict between the wilding of the island Mm-hmm. And people who were opposed to having, you know, wanted to get rid of the cougar and wanted to get rid of the coyotes, et cetera. And so I wanted to make that the tension within the book. So the main character goes on a coyote um, count uh, and is really involved in environmental issues on the island, mm. uh, but likes the idea of it remaining wild. Mm. Whereas I also have a lot of sympathy for pet owners and of domestic animals. So I feel the conflict myself, but that was really the premise for the whole book. Okay. I'm really excited about that. Well, I hope you like it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Going back to Midnight for Justice, uh, do you have any plans to do any sort of promotion here on Vashon when that book ultimately comes out? 
Any readings? We probably, yeah, I'd like to do that. Maybe at the bookstore. It's a, you yeah. got, we have a great bookstore. Yeah. That would I, be fun I launched, to do. Um, I guess my first book I launched at the bookstore. That was pre-COVID. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it was just great fun because they're they're so supportive and very nice. Um, they have told us, however, that books that are not set on Vashon don't sell as well because so many tourists come in uh, and they want a book that was set on Vashon. Yeah, they have a whole little section yeah. in there on yeah. Vashon authors. I don't know, but I'm guessing maybe the ones there that are Vashon specific probably yeah. do better. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And do you ever have disagreements when you're writing together and how do you handle oh, them? Oh, never. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> it's been known to happen. <laughs> and do you just debate and communicate, communicate with each other? Or? Yeah, yeah. We don't yeah. get into arguments about stuff, but, but uh, yeah, we, we don't always see it exactly the same way. No. And we are pretty direct, too. I mm. mean... Because if you're not direct about critiquing somebody else's work, it it doesn't get you anywhere very quickly. So, but I think that one of the things that we have realized over the years is that if someone doesn't like something you've written or if they're having questions about it, even if their suggestions aren't ones you want to accept, you know that there's something wrong. Mm. So that's been kind of what we've agreed on, that we point things out and then we can go back and obviously do, you know, whatever we, we want. We are absolutely both each other's best editors. And it's just not a doubt. And, and she's editing something of mine right now. And she's halfway through and has, what was it, 275 edits or some darn thing. So I'm, I know that I've got some work to do. But uh, I would say out of those 200 and some edits that she's done so far, mm-hmm. um, I, I'd be lucky if there was more than uh, two Mm. <laughs> that I looked at and said, no, no, that's wrong. Mm. Uh, the other, you know, <laughs> yeah. the others, uh, there will be something wrong. It's mm. very clear I'll have something to fix. Almost always it's exactly what she points out. But, I mean, there will be something that has to change. I might change it in some other way. But it's just it's just the way it is. And, boy, is it valuable to have somebody willing yeah. to actually do some intensive editing reading yeah mm. my my agent who retired recently uh was a very good editor i mean she picked up on all sorts of mainly grammar and things like that but when we sent midnight for justice to her we didn't have it yeah. chronological yeah, that's right. we have we went back and forth in time and she and two other editor friends of hers uh, put the um manuscript up and they went through it chapter by chapter and they suggested that we make it chronological. And hmm. they not only suggested that, they did it. They actually produced yeah. a whole manuscript. They moved everything around. They had the technology to do it easily. If, they, if she had simply told us, make it chronological, I don't know what I would have done. I don't either. But uh, they just did an amazing they, they just, job. They did an amazing job. And then we went back and then rewrote it and made sure things that followed really did follow. But and, they and were we, right. You should, I mean, our yeah, first, that's just what I was going to yeah. say. They were so right. Our so first response right. was that, oh, no. Yep, that was I the mean, first reaction both of us had. Oh, no, we can't do that. That's yeah. horrible. And then it was just, by the time we got it done, it was so obvious yeah. it was better. Wow. And I don't know why we didn't think of that, because I don't like to read books that go back and forth 
time-wise, 20 or 30 years too much. I mean, it's, I find it sometimes hard to follow. So uh, I think it was a really good suggestion. But we had never had three people go through our book, our, you know, any manuscript and chapter by chapter before. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, maybe you needed to maybe see it yourselves to to really believe yeah. in the in the change. So we've spoken a lot about about your writing, which I'm sure takes up a lot of your time. But what else do you do for fun, either separately or together? Well, those walks that we talk about writing, <laughs> I guess it's yeah. a blend of things for us. And but we we walk every day on one of the trails here and. One of the ways in which we feel blessed to have come to Vashon, we had no idea how many trails there were here. Mm. And we just, I think we've probably been on almost every one at this point. I don't know if we've left out anything. Um, but that's one of the things that we do daily for Actually, fun and I, exercise. People, I don't know that people know the, how recent a phenomenon that is, but it really dates from the formation of the Vashon Maury Island Land Trust, mm. uh, and that was in the 90s. And you, you, uh, so these trails, uh, uh, you know, some of them have been here quite a few years, but they are relatively recent. And there are now, I don't know, something like 27 miles of of uh, walking trails, publicly mm -hmm. available walking trails on the island. You've got. Shingle Mill, you know, you've got Island Center, Fisher Pond, now now Frog Holler. You can just, it goes on and on. And and it's being added to, and it's just a terrific resource. Uh, it just uh, makes the island such a wonderful place to be. What are some of your favorite trails? If if you have visitors coming from out of town, which where do you take them? Well, we've talked about that. It depends on who they are. Their fitness level yeah. and yeah. 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 Um, right now... Anyone that comes, we're going to probably take them to Wax Orchard on the off chance that the orchids have bloomed, Ooh. which I don't think they're going to bloom for another, what, month, Yeah, I think maybe. we're looking at a few weeks, but in a couple of we, weeks or we, something. We are on Orchid Watch, and we run into people all the time, you know, on those trails who are also doing the same thing. We've never seen them bloom before because, of course, this is a new trail. But we like the trails that, or I should say I like the trails where there's a lot of variety where you, you know, have a ravine and you have a lot of foliage and then you come into an open area and then there's ponds. Mm. So, and there are an amazing number of trails that are like that. Yeah, we're very, very blessed. And it's something that similarly I didn't know about. I've been coming to Vashon for 12 years, but I've only lived here for just under five. It was really COVID that got me out on mm -hmm. the trails because, and my dog too, but yeah, because there wasn't much to do in, indoors. It's it, It's the... The other thing that is so terrific about the trails is how social people are mm -hmm. uh, on the trails. In in Seattle, we walked the same thing in Seattle, but we, <laughs> you wouldn't talk to somebody just because they happen to be walking on the same <laughs> little wooded trail in some park somewhere, you know. But yeah. but here, you absolutely do, and people are so kind of friendly and they're enjoying themselves. I love that part about Vashon. And when I mm -hmm. leave Vashon, sometimes I have to remind myself, okay, Grace, not everybody says hello and acknowledges each other mm -hmm. <laughs> when you walk by them on the sidewalk. And I try to make eye contact and smile at everybody. And it doesn't always fly in, you know, downtown Seattle. <laughs> and do you get out fishing at all anymore? No. <laughs> they're shaking their heads. No, we, head. no. <laughs> we've owned boats our entire married life. I've owned boats my entire life in one way, shape or form. We sold our most recent, uh, it was just a little aluminum outboard boat. We sold that recently. So right at the moment, I guess we have the kayak. Mm -hmm. We have a little mm. 
kayak that we, a two-person kayak that we I, use fairly frequently yeah. in the summer. Awesome. And I have never been sports fishing, ever. Um, I have hardly ever, actually. Yeah. I haven't really done much sports fishing either. Yeah. It was definitely a business enterprise for yeah. us. Just for, you had a purpose. Got it. We end every show with a fun little lightning round of questions just to get to know you better. Are you game? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> They're looking very skeptical. All right. So the first question is, do each of you have a favorite beverage here on Vashon? Well, I drink my coffee black. So that means it has to really be good. Mm. And I love the roasteries coffee. And I think part of it's atmosphere, but I think the coffee is good too. I agree. So I, I don't have a very good answer to that question because I, I, I don't actually. I would have to say hot chocolate. You know, I don't drink much coffee. I, mm. I like coffee sometimes, but I don't drink much coffee. And I don't really have a favorite beverage. Do you drink tap water? I do, actually. And the, <laughs> and the water, water on this island is pretty darn good, by and large. So we've been very We have a good water district. Yeah, we have a great water mm-hmm. district. So yeah, there you go. Okay. Association. <laughs> oh. So if you're not at home or work, where can people most often find you on the island? You've given us one hint on the trails. <laughs> yeah, that's the hint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely and one of the things that's kind of nice about the trails is that we've met people and talked to them. We know their dogs. Um, <laughs> we, we know their horses, some of them. Uh, but I think that's the place where we actually, we don't really hang out any place. So that's, yeah. trails are probably it. Probably are. Do you have any pet peeves about island living since moving to Vashon? Go for it. I, now, and I don't, I know this is not a pet peeve. Okay. Because I have a hard time coming up with anything that I'm peeved with. I think this is a pretty terrific place. I'd, I'd say it's more like an observation. Mm-hmm. I have to say my own driving habits have become considerably more relaxed uh. since I moved here from Seattle. So I can take this just fine. But I have observed that, and I'm probably wrong, so... But I've observed that Vashon Islanders seem to have one speed on the road. Uh, if the speed limit's 25, they're very possibly going 40. And if it's 50, they're probably going 40. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's been kind of an observation of mine. And, you know, uh, I'm sorry, but that's kind of how I'm turning out. Mm. I, so I don't know what the pressures are. But You better not be going 40 in all the speed zones. Well, maybe not. <laughs> Unless the ferry is about to leave, then it gets even faster up north. Yes, yes. Um, Yeah, what about you, Charlotte? Well, there's one thing that I felt criticized about. um, And we had, when we were living on the water, there next door, there were 37 resident geese. I mean, they came Uh. there almost every day. And I did everything I could to keep them out of our yard because 37 geese create quite a mess and I didn't want to walk in that. Now, next door, they didn't live there full time, so they didn't have the same feeling. But I felt very <laughs> criticized for chasing the geese off and for cu- trying to come up with ways to get rid of the geese. <laughs> and I just wish that I could send these geese to the people who have <laughs> criticized me. You've got yeah. a goose. You've got a goose. Yeah. You were you humane. Get you, you were, you, you were well, humane. I was humane. No, yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't shoot BB guns at him or anything, but... We did find that they were afraid of 
uh, motorized. Oh yeah, a little, yeah, a little drone. radio RC yeah. Yeah. truck. You have a little RC trucking. And we know that it wasn't us that made them afraid of that because all we had to do was walk outside the first time we bought one, put it down. They all turned and oh, left. Oh, and dispersed. So somebody huh? is using that to get rid of geese. That's but I don't know who that is, or I'd thank them. <laughs> That's a first, and I actually really appreciate that answer. Um, do you each have a favorite Vashon Island tradition? Well, I'm on the Land Trust Board at the moment, and I just think it's an amazing organization that really kind of lies right at the heart of what Vashon Island is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have an annual uh, Big Sky celebration, mm-hmm. and I just find that uh, to be a a great event. Got slowed down on it a little bit here during COVID, obviously, but it's just such a comfortable event. Um, and people, you know, have a lot in common. Uh, it's sort of very appealing to me. Mm. It's coming up this year in July. Okay. I'm called Big check Sky. It out. Look on the Land Trust's mm-hmm. website. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. You probably have sensed a pattern here. You know, he worked for nonprofits. You know, he writes serious things. He thinks about everything that's good and beneficial to people. You know, and I think about murder and geese. And (laughs) and one of the traditions that I like is I like the fact that people here dress however they want. And Mm -hmm. I can wear socks with Crocs and no one even gives me a second look. And I, you know, I know that Crocs are passe, but I can look around here and see people wearing them. And I appreciate that. And I, I do one. appreciate some of the, one of the things you, you also mentioned, Grace, and that is people talking on trails mm. and just being very friendly. I think that is, I don't know if that falls under tradition, but I think that is one of the best things about Vashon. Actually, I'd add to that. Uh, most people that live on this island at one time or another have walked on the road, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you kind of have to at certain points. And I've noticed that. When you're walking along a busy road on Vashon, people very, very typically will pull over and give you space. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just appeals to me. You know, obviously, you'll get a wave frequently. But, but the, the fact that they pull over and give you space because you're walking along some narrow shoulder, that's just very thoughtful, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. In I, Seattle, you can't even run, you, walk across the It never would happen in Seattle. <laughs> Those are lovely ones. And lastly, where can people find you to learn more about you and your work? Any website or place to plug? We both have websites. It's www.charlottestewart.com. And it's S-T-U-A-R-T. I always say it's art, not warts. Ah. (laughs) Uh, I'm also on social media. I'm also um, at Quirky Mysteries on Twitter and I'm at, what is, I can't think of what a mystery writer on Facebook. And um, I'm on Instagram, but hardly anyone ever goes to my Instagram. And I go out of my way to put really nice pictures there. But there's something about that that hasn't worked for me. So that's where I am. And mine's dawnstewart.net. .net. So there was another Don Stewart. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, it's just charlottestewart.com and dawnstewart.net. And YouTube for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of YouTube stuff oh, about a book I'm working on at the moment. So. Yay, awesome. Well, I'll try to grab all those links and add them to the show notes for this episode. Well, thank you both for coming in today, Don and Charlotte. Well, thank you. We yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, it's very been, nice to do yeah. and nice program. So It's been a pleasure. It. 
And thank you all for listening. Again, this is Inspired Island on Voice of Vashon, 101.9 FM, KVSH, LP, Vashon Island, Washington. Until next time, stay inspired.